Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, 11 a.m. It's good to see you. Thank you for being with us on this Palm Sunday. And we're in a series entitled Moments, and it happens to be Palm Sunday, talking about the moment when Jesus arrives into Jerusalem. And uh, this is a really important day for Christ followers all around the world. And it kind of kicks off called Holy Week, and next week it'll end with Easter Sunday. And so we're just glad you're here to celebrate with us. Uh, the last week of Jesus' life was so interesting, and there's so much to it. In fact, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Matthew spends a third of the Gospel talking about the last week of Jesus' life. Mark talks about the third of the Gospel and last week of Jesus' life. Luke spends a quarter of his writings talking about the last week of Jesus' life. And the Gospel of John spends over half talking about the last week, the last seven days of Jesus' life. And how many know if it gets that much screen time that's important for us to read and talk about, amen? And so we are, we're gonna talk about it this morning. So I'd invite you to stand to your feet if you would be so willing to this morning. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 19. All four gospels speak of this Palm Sunday account. And so uh, I'm gonna read from Luke's account of this. I'd encourage you though, and I'm gonna mention this later on, uh, Go, go and read the other accounts of Palm Sunday. The, each of us give us a picture and a portrait of the full story, that what this was. And so we're gonna read God's word. We stand to, to remind ourselves that God's word is the teacher this morning. Aren't you grateful for that? Uh, you didn't come to hear an opinion. Uh, you didn't come to hear me. You came to hear God. And you came to hear the voice of God speak through his word. Amen. That's why, that's why we're here. So we're all submitting under his teaching this morning. Here it is in Luke chapter 19. Verse 28 says, After telling the story of Jesus, he went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. And as he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go to that village over there, he told them, as you enter it, and you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, and just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, so why are you untying that colt? The disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt and brought to Jesus, and they threw their garments on it for him to ride on. Verse 36, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. As he reached the place where the road started to go down to the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing, and they walked along, praising God, for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And a couple more verses. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And I love what Jesus says, last verse. He says, if they keep quiet, even the stones among the road would burst into tears. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we pray your word on this Palm Sunday. Would, would go into our hearts. It would speak to us. It would change us. Lord, we're here in a space like this uh, to be spiritually formed, to be more like the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, that is our heart. That's our intention. Lord, we're, we're not here to hear a lecture or a motivational teaching. We're here to be more like the person of Jesus. So take these moments and, and may it be so. Holy Spirit, come, we pray. As we look at the landscape of our community, of our world, there's so much darkness 
And yet you've called us to come into spaces like this to be shaped, to allow you to be the light of the world in and through us. So shape us towards that end, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So let's... uh, let, let's jump right in. I find the, I find the beginning of this passage of scripture so interesting. Uh, in fact, verse 28 says, after telling the story, Jesus went down toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, and he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and he sent his two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that is, no one has ever ridden. So a rookie. Untie it. Bring it here, and if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So in other words, Jesus needs a rental car. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is, is much of the, the gospel of Luke is, is getting him to this moment in Jerusalem. Uh, gospel of Luke has all these different things that lead him all the way to Jerusalem. And here he is, he's in Jerusalem, and he needs a mode of transportation to get into the city. So he sends his disciples ahead to go get me a donkey. And so I put this in modern context for us. Uh, by the way, a donkey would have been used for transportation. It would have been used to, to haul certain things and all that. So I put it in modern, a modern term. So Jesus was approaching Sumner. Coming from the east, maybe Yakima, Bonnie Lake, on his way to Sumner, kind of took the back way on 410. So he turns to a couple of his friends and his disciples from Calvary Community Church. <laughs> and he says, uh, so there, I saw an F-150 at the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so go hotwire it. <laughs> We're going to need it to drive it down to Sumner. And when the owners of the F-150 ask, just tell them, the Lord needs it. <laughs> I mean, that's a great way to get arrested on Palm Sunday morning, right? What a fascinating way to start this, this story. And, and you might be asking, okay, so how, why was that guy okay with them just going and taking uh, the donkey? I believe that the owner of that donkey uh, was a follower of the Lord Jesus, and he knew Jesus and was discipled by Jesus. And so when two of Jesus' closest disciples come and ask him for it, he said, the Lord can have anything he needs. He can have any of mine. It's all the Lord's, whatever he needs. And how many of that's a teaching for us to say anything the Lord needs from our lives, have it, right? Amen. And so this is, this is how Jesus comes into Jerusalem on this, on this donkey. And here it is in verse 36. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started on the Mount of Olives, all of his followers, they began to shout and sing walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Let's, let's paint a picture of what's happening on this Palm Sunday. This is during Passover. And so there's people that have traveled from all over the nation of Israel and around to be in Jerusalem. You need a picture in your mind, 2.5 or so million people gathered in the tiny streets of Jerusalem for Passover. I mean, it's unlike anything. It is an important thing. And from the crowd's perspective, they are giving King Jesus coming in on this donkey. They're giving him a king's welcome into Jerusalem. You might ask, like, why palm branches, right? Like, we, this is kind of known Palm Sunday. Why palm branches? Well, palm branches in Israel would have been known as a sign of national triumph and victory. So, John 12, 13 
In the account we read in Luke, it doesn't talk about palm branches, but in John, his account, he says there's palm branches. And so they're waving these palm branches. In other words, they're saying, victory, victory, Jesus is here. This is a big deal. And they put their garments along the pathway. And imagine this is like rolling out the red carpet. Like they didn't have a red carpet, but they took off their garments and they're, they're creating a pathway, a, a, a place of honor, like Think like when a head of state comes to another country's capital, like you make a big deal out of it. You, you dress it all up, it, makes, it looks really good. And so this is a, a king's welcome into Jerusalem. There's palm trees and they've taken off their, their garments and, and they're quoting Psalm 118. We just read it, which is blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. In other words, Psalm 118 was reserved to proclaim in this way. It was reserved as a hymn of royal entry. So just just picture this, just go with me. 2.5 million people, people are waving palm branches. They've created a pathway for him to come through. They're proclaiming a royal entry hymn and psalm. This is a big deal. Even the very donkey, that rookie donkey that the disciples stole from that person (laughs) was a very prophetic thing. In fact, Zechariah, chapter nine, verse nine says this. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this, the, the Jewish people, they would have known, they would have understood, yes, this is the king. We know Zechariah. We know this this prophetic book of the Bible, we knew that when, when the king comes on a donkey, that's the king that's coming to save us. Celebration, incredible, royalty, he's here to come to save us. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. In other words, come save us, come save us, come save us. The crowd couldn't be more excited. It's like a once in a lifetime, once in a generation type thing. The king has come to Jerusalem to save us. And he's here from their perspective to lead a national revolt against Jerusalem. He's here from their perspective to bring religious resolve. He's here from their perspective to free them from the oppression of Rome. Finally, we get to be out of Rome's oppression. The king is here. He's here to be a warrior. He's gonna build an army. We're gonna join King Jesus's army. Let's go, king. All hail King Jesus. Hosanna, palm trees, I'm with you, let's go. Be the political leader that we're all looking for. They're stoked, 2.5 million people, they're finally seeing their Messiah. It's like anticipation for their entire lives. This is what's been talking about for generation after generation after generation. There he is, he's coming in on on a donkey and we're celebrating. I mean, could you imagine, wouldn't you be celebrating too? It's a big deal. Jesus is here. So this is like the 40,000 foot view, right? Could you imagine being like on the Mount of Olives and which is up above and this road kind of goes into Jerusalem. Could you imagine looking down and just, and just seeing that scene? 2.5 million people, the sights, the sounds. I think of like confetti cannons and streamers and and. Like, it's just, it's like the daffodil parade, but times a million, right? Like, this is just, this is a big deal. And could you imagine just that moment of being there? And, and that's the big picture. But you know, like, when you watch, like, a, a sporting event and you can't tell from the large frame, so they zoom you in on, like, the, 
they, they like replay it and they bring it closer. Like baseball season's back and everyone said amen. Like here we are, right? And, and like they steal a base and you can't tell from the large frame if they're safe or if they're out. So what do they do? They, they zoom in the camera on the replay and you can see kind of, so then you can see clearly. And so the, in this text, the large frame is that everyone's celebrating. The king is here, the king is here. But if we could zoom in, in fact, Luke gives an account. If we could zoom in on Jesus' face, you'd think he'd be smiling. You'd think he'd be receiving the celebration, but this is what it says. Luke 19, verse 41, it says, but as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to, he began to weep. How I wish today that all people would understand the way to peace, but now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They'll crush you to the ground, your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not, catch this, you did not recognize when God visited you. Hosanna, Hosanna, our king is here. And Jesus weeps. Jesus cries. And there's only two accounts in the, in the Gospels that we see Jesus weeping. One of them is, is around the weeping of his friend Lazarus who passed. This is the other weeping. And there are two different words in the original language. When he weeps over a friend, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a slight mourning kind of a weep because he knows that his friend will be with him in eternity. The, the, the scriptures in the original text are so clear that that kind of a weeping is a momentary thing. This original language, this weeping, is like this visceral, like <sighs> mourning, crying, sad, heartbroken, heavy, as he goes into Jerusalem. Why? <laughs> I mean, this is a moment of celebration. The king is here. Well, it tells us a number of things. I think he's sad for a few reasons. And from this text, the, sad, the first reason I think he's sad is because Jesus knows what his mission is in Jerusalem. And he knows that the same people that are proclaiming Hosanna on Sunday will be the very same people that will say, crucify him on Friday. Makes him sad. But really, I think why Jesus is sad is because as he goes into the city, he knows none of these people, most of these people anyway, don't know who he's really in. See, they think he's there to solve the political problem and to free them from Rome. Like, Rome was intense. Like, to be a believer under Roman occupation truly meant death. <laughs> it truly meant persecution. These people had seen Rome and the vice of Rome and what it meant to their people. It was such an intense thing. And they're like, finally, Jesus is here to free us from Rome. And Jesus weeps. Friends, even if Jesus would have freed them from Roman captivity, it wouldn't have solved the biggest problem. See, Jesus didn't come just to give some momentary peace with a certain government. Jesus came for a much bigger reason. Jesus came not to solve a political problem in that era. Jesus came to solve a much deeper issue, and it's the problem of sin, <laughs> And, and Jesus is on this mission. His whole, his, all of his teachings in the gospels, all of his life has been to point people to a different kingdom. 
It's been to point people to, I have come to bring the kingdom of God with me. And so when he goes into Jerusalem and he weeps, it's because all these people, they've missed it. They don't understand that he's not just there to solve a temporary issue. And we as people, we love quick fixes, don't we? (laughs) I mean, like six minute abs on the infomercial, right? It's like, sign me up, right? Like, we love quick fixes. And Jesus comes and says, I didn't come for a quick fix. I didn't come just to make this thing right. I came to solve the problem of sin. And how many know we have a problem of sin? In this room, uh, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. I don't think I have to spend very much time convincing us that there's a sin problem in our lives. I think we can do a good enough job on our own convincing ourselves of the sin problem. There's a brokenness. There's an off kilter to the world. Things are not right with the world. There is brokenness and there is hurt and there is pain. And Jesus comes to say, I didn't just come to solve one thing. I came to solve and bring peace to all people. I've come to solve the brokenness within you. See, here's the thing. Jesus could have come and he could have, and he could have freed them from Rome, but they still would have been in captivity. Did you catch that? You can live in the most free country in the world and still be enslaved. There are are people in this room this morning, and I say this with so much compassion, we live in one of the most free religious countries in the world, and yet we are enslaved on the inside. And yet there are people that live in countries, they can't do this, they're sitting in prison cells more free than us. Are you with me? (laughs) This is a big deal. Jesus didn't come just to bring political freedom to these people. He came to give them to give them spiritual peace. And the first time Jesus comes into the world, like he did and we're celebrating on Palm Sunday, he comes to give this peace. He comes to solve the problem of sin. He comes on a mission to go to the cross, to become the Lamb of God, to become the perfect Lamb of God, to become the last and final sacrifice, that there would be no more sacrifices in the old covenant needed because Jesus comes as the perfect Lamb of God who will die on the cross for all of humanity. This is why he came. And he weeps because they don't get it. And he weeps because the same people that will say Hosanna will be the same people that say crucify him on Friday. Because here's the thing, church. They loved him as long as he did what they wanted him to do. (laughs) And Jesus models in his life, he's not here to listen to anyone else's agenda. Jesus has an agenda. And Jesus' agenda is always better and always more important and will always have its way. You see, I think it's C.S. Lewis that says, Jesus is a, he's either a liar, a lord, or he's a lunatic. And, and, and you and I, we have to come to a place and decide on who Jesus is to us. There's no neutral ground. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he comes in on a donkey, he comes in proclaiming the kingdom of God, he comes in teaching about the kingdom, and at the end of the day, He makes no mistake, he is Lord. And you either get to call him Lord or you get to decide for yourself, but there's no neutral ground. This is who Jesus is. In fact, um, I love what N.T. Wright, he's a great theologian. I love reading his, his stuff. He's really thoughtful in my opinion. He says this, sooner or later, this happens to all of us. This meaning all the thing, the, the crowd in Jerusalem, this happens to all of us. You see, we start out following Jesus because we think we know the story. We know what sort of king we want him to be, and then things go badly wrong. He doesn't give us what we wanted and we're tempted to wonder if we've been standing on the wrong side of town, watching the wrong procession. Jesus warned us this would happen. 
We have to live through a Holy Week, a Gethsemane, a Good Friday of one sort or another. And this happens in a personal life and a vocational life as well as in public life. Are you, did, did that make, does that quote make sense to you? <laughs> in other words, we've all been the people in the crowd wanting to proclaim Jesus as one thing and Jesus loudly proclaiming, this is who I am. And, and where the rubber meets the road is if we want to journey with Jesus to the cross, want to journey with Jesus in relationship with him, yeah, we'll, we'll have to go through some moments where we have to journey with him. We might have to go through Gethsemane type moments. We might have to go through Good Friday type moments. But all of these teach us what it means to be more like him and to follow him. And all of these teach us who he really is. And so I think ultimately, what do we do with this? I think ultimately the, the, Palm, the Palm Sunday text, this triumphal entry, it, it, prepares us, it prepares us for Holy Week. I think Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem and it kicks off this really important week for those of us that follow Jesus. We, we see his arrival into the city and, it, and he invites us to follow him on this journey this week in Jerusalem. In fact, you might wonder what Holy Week is. Uh, we don't always talk about it, but today's Palm Sunday and we've been talking about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Uh, Monday and Tuesday are not on there. Monday is when Jesus, he, he goes and he cleanses the temple. I'm gonna read that text in just a second, but that's Monday. On Tuesday, Jesus does some teaching with some religious leaders. He goes, he goes throughout the city and he corrects and does some teaching. On Wednesday, we're not quite sure what Jesus did. We think he rested with his disciples. There's a lot of research and study that believes that he kind of retreated to more of a Sabbath and he, and he took some time just with his disciples because he knew ultimately on Thursday when, would be when he would gather with his disciples on that Thursday evening and he would wash their feet that's what Monday means. He washed their feet on that Holy Thursday and then he would receive the Last Supper in the upper room. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. yeah. And, and, he would, and he would reflect and, and share with them that last time together. And then Good Friday, that's what, we're, that's what we're remembering on this Friday. And that's why we put out a Good Friday service and a moment for you to reflect because of the significance when Jesus goes to the cross and he says, it is finished and, and the covenant has has been fulfilled. And, and then Holy and Silent Saturday, that's when, that's when that moment when between Jesus' death and his resurrection, it's the in-between. Like, could you imagine being in that time in Jerusalem, watching your Savior die on the cross and then knowing, okay, is he, is he actually gonna come to life like he said he would? And it's like that, that tension, that waiting, that expectation, that anticipation. Well, we're, we're invited into that on Saturday as well to say, Gosh, we want to have this anticipation for Easter. And then we celebrate Easter Sunday. We all come back and we celebrate. Yes, he is who he says he was. He is the only person that has died and rose again. He was the perfect lamb of God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's when we come back and celebrate Easter Sunday. So this is Holy Week. So Palm Sunday is the gate. It's the entry into Holy Week. And I just have a few things just for you to reflect on this, this week. A few kind of action steps per se. Number one, I'd invite you to, to place purpose on Holy Week by creating space and allowing Jesus to arrive into your life this week on Holy Week. Like Jesus arrives into Jerusalem, 
But will you, lo- will you allow Jesus to arrive into your life this week? Like there's nothing more important this week, friends, than creating space for reflection and for talking about the stories and for reading some of the gospels and for allowing the space in our lives. Maybe that means in your family, you've got to sit down and you say, hey, here's the times we're going to block out. Maybe it's a dinner time. Maybe it's on the way to school. Maybe it's a moment of reflection for the family. Here's the times. I found in my own life, if I don't set that, how many know it won't be a priority, right? And so I would just encourage you what it says in John chapter four, verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So create space this Holy Week and invite him in to your life. Let him arrive into your life just like he arose, arrived, arrived, that's the word, arrived into, into Jerusalem. Number two, I'd encourage you to praise and to worship him as King Jesus. So create space in your week, but during that space, worship him for who he is. You know, I think we can, we can learn from the crowd. They were singing and saying, Hosanna, 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 because they wanted a political king. But we know the other side of the story. We know that he is our savior. We know that he has come for us. And so we worship him as King Jesus. They all lay down their palms and their clothes. What, what do you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus this week? What are you holding on to that's been heavy? I invite you to lay it down at the, at the feet of Jesus and, 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 and release it and receive his life. There's so many things, there's so many reasons why we can worship Jesus. I could probably name hundreds and hundreds of thousands of why we can worship, but I wanna tell you one of the reasons why I'm gonna worship Jesus this week. I was studying, and did you know that there's gonna be a Palm Sunday 2.0? This blew my mind. <laughs> When I was studying, at the end of days, this is what Revelation chapter nine says. At the end of it all, it says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that that no one could count from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches. (laughs) Palm Sunday (laughs) 2.0. And they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. I don't know about you, but this makes me so excited. And I'm, I'm celebrating Palm Sunday 1.0 that Jesus came in Jerusalem and Jesus came to, to solve the sin problem. Jesus made it peace so we could be in relationship with God. But there's also a part of me that wants to worship God this week for Palm Sunday 2.0, that there's gonna be a second coming of Christ. And when he comes, he, he's not gonna come as the suffering servant. He is gonna come as the victorious the, the, the lamb of God that has been perfect in heaven forever and he's gonna come into this earth and he's not just gonna solve the sin problem, he's gonna solve all the problems. He's gonna solve the problems of the brokenness in our world. He's gonna solve the problems of hurt. He's gonna solve the problems of pain. This is why we can worship him. Grow your expectation this week and worship him for that. I declare this week, Hosanna, 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 because he is, the, he is the king that has come and he is the king that is going to come. And until then, you're gonna find me saying, Hosanna, you are so worthy, Jesus. So worship him for who he is. Is he, a, is he competition to your life? Is he Jesus when he's just convenient to you? I, I encourage you to, to rid all those things out of your life and worship him this week. He's the most important thing. Number three, what can we do this holy week to make it purposeful and to reflect, I would encourage you this week to find moments where you can weep over lost people. 
Like when Jesus goes into Jerusalem and the, he sees the city, begins to weep. Why? Because they were, this, the Bible says they were like people without a savior, a people that needed a savior, a people that were lost. I don't know about you, but there's people in my life I know that don't know Jesus. And the Bible's very clear. If you haven't made a relation, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and if you haven't said yes and invited him into your life, your eternity with him is not secure. And friends, that makes me weep. This gathering on a Sunday morning is for us to grow and it's for us to be refined and become like the person of Jesus. And then we go, not just so we can say, I had a great experience at Calvary this week. No, we go because there's broken people that God's gonna put right in front of us. And we ought to, our hearts ought to break that they don't have an eternity with God yet. And not just that, but God's promised a, a life that is so incomparable to anything this world offers when you get in a relationship with him. Church, who is it? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member? Is it a son or a daughter? Oh, I pray just like Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he weeps with compassion for the people. I pray that we would be the types of people this week that would say, oh, I have people in my life too. And we begin to pray for them. We begin to talk with them. We begin to not just pray and weep, but have, it, have the moments where we can step into their lives and say, would you come over for dinner? Would you get coffee? Maybe come to Easter Sunday with me, whatever it is for you. But the most important thing is that you become the hope of Christ and you show that to them, right? Number four, I think Palm Sunday is an, a, an important week for us. This Holy Week is an important week for us to ask this question. What do I need Jesus to correct in my life? What do I need Jesus to correct in my life? In fact, I love what it, it says. Jesus, his first thing he does when he goes to Jerusalem is he goes to the temple. He rides in on the donkey and the next day he goes to the temple and he says, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It's written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So every day he went and was teaching in the temple and, and we'll, we'll stop there. But at, at the end of the day, Jesus went and he had some incredible teachings and he went and his first thing was to cleanse and to correct the temple. What, what does Jesus need to cleanse and correct in you this week? See, what I love about the word of God, and I would encourage you to read the accounts of Jesus in his last week of his life. See, I read the word of God, you read the word of God, but you know what the word of God really? The word of God really reads you. <laughs> and you're like, yikes. Like for example, you read in Luke, you keep reading and I think all the gospels of, in the upper room on that Monday, Thursday, he's washing his disciples' feet and you say, when's the last time, and I'm not saying you like literally wash their feet, but when's the last time I metaphorically was a servant to someone in an extreme way? And you begin to read it and you go, all right, God, I haven't served people very much recently. Or you, or you read about Peter's denial and then the word reads you and you say, actually, there's places in my life that denies Jesus too. You see what I, what I mean by that? This week is a beautiful week on this holy week to reflect what do I need Jesus to correct or cleanse in my life? life through his teachings. And here's the fifth thing. And we're gonna put this one into practice this morning. I challenge us this week to commune with Jesus, to commune with him. 
I pray that this Holy Week would not just be a religious experience for you, but you would see it as if Jesus is inviting you to the table. And he's saying, eat with me. Like what a picture. There's a seat at the table for you. And he welcomes you in. He says, I wanna be with you. I love that in the last hours of Jesus' life, what did he do? He didn't go and, and just do his, no, no, no. He hung out with his closest people. He said, come in. And Jesus' invitation is still the same for us today. Come commune with me, come eat with me. In fact, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna receive communion. And this is the account of the last supper in Luke chapter 22. It says this, when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I will tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he had took the cup saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So this is what we're gonna do in this moment. And so I encourage you to reflect have you been like the person in the crowd that proclaims Jesus but doesn't know what his true mission is? Well, now you know. He came for your sin. He came for your life. He came so that you could be in relationship with him and the elements that we're gonna hold, he wants to enter into our life and he invites us into relationship to commune with him in this moment. So try your best for these next few minutes. We're gonna end in just a few minutes, but try your best to rid yourself of the distractions and really focus on Jesus being with us here. His presence, the Holy Spirit's here with us. So uh, the ushers are gonna come, they're gonna sing over us and I'll come up and I'll lead us through communion in just a few moments. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.